Today on Locked on Dolphins, a roster assessment for the 2022 Miami Dolphins and a way too early look at the 53-man projection for the offensive side of the football, comparing how the Dolphins roster stacks up in quality of players and starting roles at every spot along the way. Part one of a two-part series. Tap in. Let's get after it. Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? This is Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins. Today is Tuesday, May 31st, 2022. We are back from a long weekend. Welcome to the show. Lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, and you're hosted here today on the show, and I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Today on the show, we're going to be revisiting a concept that we did early this offseason in which we are uh, putting a, a valuation, an evaluation, a title, a tag on all the players on the Dolphins roster, I have put together my current up-to-date 53-man roster projection for the Dolphins. And between today and tomorrow, we're going to reveal exactly what that looks like. But it's not just, hey, here's the names. It's, hey, what is the quality of the names involved? This was an exercise that we did looking for long-term building blocks. If you go back to Locked on Dolphins at the very beginning of the offseason, we identified and evaluated the players on the roster based on having watched all the games and studying the players and looking to identify, are you a franchise cornerstone player? Are you a quality starter? Are you an adequate starter? So you serve quality depth. Are you a replacement level player? Are you a rookie or somebody who has an incomplete evaluation? Or are you somebody who's ideally not on a Dolphins, on a Dolphins roster um, to play any level of significant snaps? That's the frame that we're choosing to look at these players through. And of course, there's more shades of gray than just that. But when you actually put the depth chart or the roster with players in certain position groups and you stack it up across the board and you see the code and the colors that I have assigned to each of these position groups, it really paints a telling picture. So, for example, let's look at the offensive side of the ball. The Dolphins entering into the offseason had just a very slight handful of players that you would identify as potential long-term cornerstones, and even would qualify as potential just quality starters or adequate starters. Of the Dolphins players on the roster to close the year last year, including players on injured reserve, those who I had enough information on to feel as though I could make a full evaluation, and Lynn Bowden Jr. would be an an example of somebody who did not have enough information or enough games played to confidently say he's a quality starter or he's quality depth. Hopefully we get that clarity this year. The only Dolphins offensive players at the end of the season this past year 
that you would identify as roster cornerstones, quality starters, or adequate starters based on film study, in my opinion. Where Jalen Waddell is a roster cornerstone, Devontae Parker, Mike Gesecki, Robert Hunt, Will Fuller would qualify. Of course, he never really played for the Dolphins. And I would classify Tua Tungvalu as an adequate starter based on the level of play that he has provided thus far. Now, nobody drafted Tua at five expecting or wanting adequate starter levels of play, but I think that's what he provides for you right now, and hopefully his player development will lead to him becoming a quality starter or a franchise player. That's it. Waddle, Gasecki, Robert Hunt, Parker, gone. Fuller, gone. Tongue of Aloha. The Mac Hollinses of the world, productive players, but they're ideally always going to be quality depth players, right? Miles Gassman I had as a replacement level player. The whole works. If you want to hear you know, how every player stacks up, you can go back through and, and, and take a look. But what's interesting is taking that scarcity that exists. And now, I've had a chance to study all the incoming players for the Dolphins. Looking at the projection for the 53-man the roster, and how just how much more different the color coding distribution of, of guys that you would identify as quality starters or adequate starters... How much more of that is on the offensive side of the ball? For example, in the running back room, you had a replacement level player, a non-roster caliber player, three quality depth options, and a rookie that should probably be on the practice squad in Jared Dokes. Fast forward to this year, you're going to keep a fullback, right? And Alec Ingold's a quality starter at fullback, so maybe that's a cheap out and you don't want to acknowledge that. But then you have three players that I would describe as adequate starters in Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, and Sony Michelle. They're not stud players. They're not you know, the guy you're going to give the ball to 350, 400 times. None of them are. But they've been adequate starters and quality producing players at respective stops along the way. You have threefold <laughs> added options as quality quality or adequate adequate starters in your offensive backfield this offseason. But that running back slash fullback dynamic, he gets very interesting and very challenging for me personally to, to get a roster projection in. Uh, because I, I have the Dolphins carrying three quarterbacks, and I don't know if that's going to be the case, but I have them carrying Tungvaloa, Bridgewater, and Skylar Thompson. I'm sure the Dolphins would love to avoid having a, a developmental quarterback be plucked from them. And as we said, Teddy Bridgewater um, doesn't necessarily have the same ball handling, RPO, move the pocket type skill set that Tua does. So I do think there is a little bit of a benefit to rostering Skylar Thompson, He's in, even as a seventh round pick. Obviously, we'll see what training camp in the preseason looks like to see he's going to have to earn that. But as of this point in time, knowing that they invested a draft selection in him, I'm willing to give him uh, a spot on the roster as QB3. So I have Tungvalu, Bridgewater, and Skylar Thompson. Uh, Jacoby Brissett was replacement-level player. Teddy Bridgewater, I would classify as an adequate starter in the NFL, just like Tua. So you now have two adequate starter classifications 
Nobody freak out. Two is the starter, unquestioned. And then a rookie in Skylar Thompson who has a skill set that mirrors that of your starter. Running back room. I have him with three running backs and four backs in total because I have to be able to carry enough offensive linemen to feel like I have confidence in. You're going to carry a lot out of the wide receiver room. You have a lot of talent there. And you still have all these tight ends too. Like Gusecki's not going anywhere. Hunter Long's not going anywhere. He's a third-round pick on a rookie contract. They just re-signed Durham Smythe. So you have like Seathan Carter and Adam Shaheen. You're going to get rid of both of them? I don't know that you would. Now, you can get rid of one for sure, but I don't know that you'd get rid of both and still keep Alec in, or in order to keep Alec Engel. So I think you've got more guys in danger in the running back room as compared to the tight end room because you'll get special teams out of Seath and Carter, right? So my running back room, I do have Edmonds, Mostert, Michelle, and Engle as locks. Would I consider dropping Seath and Carter? And keeping a fourth back? Yes. But that might also depend on the health of Raheem Mostert. And that's that's a little too early in that process for us to be able to say that with confidence or not. One thing that can give you confidence is our friends over at rockauto.com. It's a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality service online for the last 20 years. So whether you're shopping for engine control modules, brake parts, taillights, motor oil, or even new carpet for your classic or daily driver... RockAuto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog, and in just a few clicks, you can get everything delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, price is the same at RockAuto.com for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers, so why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So visit RockAuto.com for all your auto parts needs and write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at RockAuto.com. So here's where things get fun. Uh, as mentioned, last year's roster at the end of the season was pretty ugly. You had one adequate level starter or better designation for all players in the backfield. I have six. Tungavaloa, Bridgewater, adequate starter options at quarterback. And then in the running back room, Edmonds, Mostert, Michelle, I think all qualify, plus Alec Ingold is a quality starter at fullback. That is such a dramatic change, even though like there's not an elite player in that group right now, but you don't need an elite player in that group. right? It's impossible to expect that you're going to have elite players at every position along the way. And elite players in general was a sore spot for the Dolphins' roster valuation. As far as players that you would identify as being roster cornerstones, you had one on offense in general with Jalen Waddell. You got three now because you also brought in Tyreek, and that's just on the offensive side of the ball. So you flipped out Devontae Parker as a quality starter option and replaced him with an elite player, one of the best wide receivers in football, and Tyreek Hill. So now you got two roster cornerstones in Hill and Waddell in the wide receiver room. I have the Dolphins down for six. You also are going to keep Cedric Wilson, who I think is an adequate starter in the slot. Uh, so that gives you three players. And the Dolphins had this last year, but two of them were hurt. You had three players that would qualify as adequate starters, quality starters, or franchise players. 
in the wide receiver room. Parker, Fuller, Waddle. It was an exciting group, but it never materialized because Fuller never played and Parker got banged up again. So now you got Hill, Waddle, Cedric Wilson, Lynn Bowden Jr. coming back. I have him as the fourth wide receiver on the depth chart, understanding that he's probably going to be a schemed touch guy. Uh, he can run routes from the slot perfectly fine as well, and he can win after the catch. He's really tough. Uh, that's all based on his rookie season, though. We haven't seen him play for a long time, so I have him down as an incomplete evaluation. I need more information to speak confidently on what he is. But based on the skill set we have seen, and also based on his financial commitment as a player that Dolphins traded for on his rookie contract, I have a very hard time seeing Lynn not making the team and not commanding some level of production. Eric Ezukanma uh, is another receiver that I have making this roster. Obviously, he was their second draft selection. He's a fourth-round pick. I have him down as well. Uh, I think he's somebody this year who is going to have to play some teams and be comfortable playing teams. He's going to get in on some of the, the Dolphins' looks as far as being able to run the football and playing in the red zone and having a win on the outside with size. Uh, there's enough spots here. But where I get stuck is the sixth. Because if you're going to keep four backs and four tight ends, you can't keep seven wide receivers, especially when one of them is Mike Gusecki with size, right? So the question becomes... Who do you use that last spot on? And I admittedly did not use this spot on Preston Williams. I used it on Trent Sherfield. Sherfield has a pre-existing relationship with McDaniel in San Francisco. He can play special teams. He's He just gives you more as a bottom of the roster player than what Preston will. I don't think Preston has ever made strong contributions on special teams. They tried it his rookie season as far as returning kicks and punts. He got hurt back there doing it. I just have a hard time, especially with Mike being another size option in the passing game. Give me a guy who can give you special teams reps to take that wide receiver six spot. So I gave it to Trent Sherfield, who, from a special teams perspective, is a quality option. But from an offensive perspective, I do think he's a replacement level player. And I acknowledge that because he's the first player of all the names that we've mentioned. Tungavaloa, Bridgewater, Thompson, Edmonds, Mostert, Michelle, Ingold, Hill, Waddle, Wilson, Bowden, Ezukama. You got to get to Trent Sherfield to get the first player that, based on my film study and my knowledge of the players, I would classify to be a replacement-level option on the offensive unit. And that's a big deal because you had Brissett, Gaskin, who I do not have on the roster as of this point in time, but based off of last year's play, I would qualify as a replacement-level player. Malcolm Brown, who I would say is a non-roster player based on his play with Miami. Albert Wilson, Preston Williams, Alan Hearns, Isaiah Ford. Those are players off the end-of-year roster that I look at and point to and say, these are replacement-level players are worse. 
Well, our 2022 projection, you got to get to wide receiver six to get the first replacement caliber player on the Dolphins' offensive depth chart. So that is a testament to what the Dolphins have accomplished this offseason as far as completely overhauling that side of the football. And they're not done. Because we'll go to tight end, and we have Mike Kosecki, Hunter Long. They re-signed Durham Smythe. There's a part of me that really wants to keep a fourth running back and not keep Seathan Carter. But I did not do it. Um, and if it were up to me, I probably would have kept Shaheen this upcoming season and not extended Durham Smythe. But I understand from a durability standpoint, Smythe has been much more reliable than Shaheen has been. Uh, he's a little bit more of a move piece. And with uh, the Shanahan-style offense coming in here with Mike McDaniel, I understand the thought process. But I have the Dolphins keeping four tight ends. Gasecki, who is classified as a quality starter, at the tight end position. I wouldn't quite put him on that roster cornerstone level yet uh, just because there's the the George Kittles, the tire, uh, the Travis Kelseys, the Mark Andrews of the world. I think there's an, enough separation there in tiers that I wouldn't put Mike in that bucket yet. Hunter Long is a player we have an incomplete evaluation on. He is the second offensive player on the depth chart. To have that valuation, him and Limbo and Jr. are kind of mystery bag players, and whatever outcome they give you, it might be a huge bonus. And I can absolutely see a pathway in which both of those guys do come out and ball out and give you a huge bonus as far as expectations for play versus what their play actually is. And then to finish that tight end room, I do have Durham Smythe and Seathan Carter, who, from a team's perspective, again, quality options, much like Trent Sherfield. But I do think from an offensive perspective, you're probably looking at quality depth or replacement level players. I know I'm personally a little bit lower on Durham than certainly the team is, Um but I do think him being in a role in which he's not asked to be the primary hand-in-the-dirt tight end, if Hunter Long can take that role from him and Durham can kind of become the accent piece, I think that's where you'll get the best version of him because a lot of his best stuff last year kind of came in those slice motions where he's coming across the set and he's playing as though he's insert blocking or kicking out the M-man on line of scrimmage and then he slips past him in the rolling pocket and he's the first progression down in the flat. You get him the ball quickly. He's out leveraged the defender uh, who's who's covering him and he gets upfield and can make some nice stuff happen. He's made a couple nice plays on the football. I'm just a little bit more lukewarm on the blocking skill set there, but if Hunter Long can take that off his plate, then yeah, Durham Smythe's going to be a quality depth option for you at the tight end position. I think the Dolphins have, have probably overextended him in the past and asked him to do probably a little too much. But Seath and Carter also having team's uh, ability gives him that final spot. So that offensively gives you a grand total of 17 players. We still have to do the offensive line. But through 17 players... You have two rookies, Skylar Thompson, Eric Ezukama. You have three players that I would classify as quality depth or replacement level players. Those are Trent Sherfield, wide receiver six, Durham Smythe, 
tight end three, Seathan Carter, tight end four. You have two players with incomplete evaluations in Hunter Long and Limbo and Jr. Everybody else. Adequate starter, quality starter, roster cornerstone. And man, does that give you a whole lot more options and excitement than what the depth chart at the end of the year did. And then you look at the offensive line. Teron Armstead, Connor Williams, Michael Dieter, Robert Hunt, Austin Jackson. That is, at this point in time, who I would project to be your starting five. Of course, Jackson will battle with Liam Eikenberg. And if one of those two guys takes a big leap, or a substantial leap, not even a huge leap, but a notable leap, you're going to feel really good about your starting five. Armstead is an elite player. He's the roster cornerstone on the line. He's your third franchise cornerstone on the offensive side of the football, along with Hill and Waddle. And you had one last year, and it was a rookie. So your elite players on this side of the ball significantly up. I would classify both Connor Williams and Robert Hunt as quality starters. I understand the questions with the penalties for Connor Williams, but the sample size is big enough of him playing at a quality level. I think he's a quality starter along with Robert Hunt. So you have three players who are either quality starters or roster cornerstones on your offensive line. Michael Dieter, I'm projecting a little bit of growth for him to be an adequate level starter. Um... The other thing that you could suggest is that's an incomplete evaluation. We don't have enough games of him at center to feel confident on what he's going to be. And Liam Eikenberg, Robert Jones are my first two guys. Your, your sixth and seven offensive lineman. Liam can, can be a utility player, but I do think he, he is an incomplete evaluation based on how the team chose to handle him last season. Robert Jones, we only got to see in the small flashes at the end of the year against New England. Uh, UDFA, the team obviously liked him. I don't think he's a great fit stylistically. Um, might end up keeping him penciled inside at guard at the next level. But Liam has guard tackle flexibility. Robert Jones can have flexibility as well. But this honestly was the first spot where I felt like you didn't have enough options. To roster, I, I rostered eight, right? So I got 25 players, or the exactly 50% of the 53-man roster when you include the three specialists. You're going to have a 50-50 split on offense and defense. But finding O-line seven and O-line eight was where I the first time that I was stressed to find players and feel like, yes, we have enough quality players. Eichenberg, Robert Jones, and I picked Larnell Coleman just because he's an athletic guy and he spent a year in the system. And the team invested a draft choice in him in 2021. All three of those guys I would qualify as incomplete evaluations. You have no idea what you're going to get. Now, it might be good, but it also might be bad. But if you told me that Robert Jones was your eighth offensive lineman, Eichenberg can still be the sixth, but you brought in somebody else with some center guard flexibility 
to be your interior utility guy or potentially to be your starter and to push Michael Dieter to be your interior utility guy, then you as an offense are very, very well off from a personnel perspective. Of course, there's still execution. There's still player growth that has to be observed. But that, for me, was the spot on the offensive side of the ball where it's like, man, I wish I had somebody else to put here in this place. My other quandaries offensively was, man, do I get rid of this guy or do I get rid of this guy? So 25 offensive players for the Dolphins in this 53-man roster projection. We're going to do the defensive side of the ball tomorrow. Tungvaloa, Bridgewater, Thompson at quarterback. Edmonds, Mostert, Michelle, Ingle in the offensive backfield. Hill, Waddle, Cedric Wilson, Lynn Bowden, Eric Azucanma, Trent Sherfield at wide receiver. Mike Gusecki, Hunter Long, Durham Smythe, Seathen Carter at tight end. Teron Armstead, Connor Williams, Michael Dieter, Robert Hunt, Austin Jackson. Projected starting five. It's still way early. Liam Eikenberg, Robert Jones, Larnell Coleman, your eight projected offensive linemen. What will be fun when we get to the end of this exercise is I also did a mock offseason. Late in February, early March. And in that mock offseason, I had a 53-man roster projection for the end of the draft. So when we get to the end here and we go through the full 53-man roster reveal for how I'm actually valuing things right now, we're going to look at also the differences in that mock offseason that I had put together to see how the actual finished product compares to how I chose to evaluate and attack the offseason versus how I chose to classify the players at the actual end of the season as well and see what is the distribution of roster cornerstones or elite players, quality starters, rookies that make the 53-man roster, adequate starters, replacement level players, quality depth, all the way down. And you're going to get to see the distribution of how those players broke themselves out. And it's going to give a pretty interesting story as far as what this Dolphins offseason actually has accomplished versus where the roster was when we started. So keep an eye out for that. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. I'm Kyle Krabs. Thanks, as always, for listening. Make it a great Tuesday, last day in May. I'll talk with you guys again tomorrow.